I hope you had an awesome Christmas. This is the last Sunday of the year of this kind of crazy year. And I want to say just a word of thanks to our congregation for the way that you've responded uh, to the many decisions your leadership has had to make regarding online services or in-person services, all the things we've done uh, to take precautions so that people will be safe. Thank you very much for your kindness and for your patience. One of the things we've tried to do all through this season is continue ministering and serving in our community. That's the DNA of our church. And an example of that happened just this past week. We were contacted by WEMA, and they asked if um, we, they could use our parking lot to give the COVID uh, vaccine. And so we had all sorts of first responders here uh, from the sheriff's department and police officers and firefighters and EMT workers and all sorts of people who were getting the vaccine. And we were just grateful that we could have a small part in that. And they're going to be using our parking lot uh, several more times as they try to give the vaccine out to all the people who are on the front lines of this COVID-19 crisis. As we end our year, I thought it would be important for us to look at some words from the Apostle Paul. He makes these three short, succinct statements. Really, we could see these statements as a, a challenge or a posture or an attitude. And so uh, we're going to begin today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to look in verses 16 through 18 as we read these three challenges for 2021. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, before we look at each of these three challenges individually, I want to ask the question, what is Paul doing here? It seems to me at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, he has a purpose for giving us these three statements. It's not like he comes to the end of the book, he doesn't have anything else to say, and so he just gives us these three generic statements. What Paul is striving to do is he wants us to live according to the Spirit. He wants us to walk according to this empowering of God. Now, look at the, the verse uh, past our section, uh, verse 19. He says, do not quench the Spirit. And then look up in your Bibles, if you have it, at the verses preceding this section of Scripture. In verse 13, for instance... There, as Paul is addressing those who are working hard among them, leaders, he says, hold them in the highest regard, notice, in love. And then later on in that verse, he says, live in peace with each other. And then he talks about how we need to be patient at the end of verse 14. And then at the, at the end of verse 15, he says, strive to do what is good for each other. Other places that word is translated kindness. And then in verse 16, he says we're to rejoice always and have joy. So think about it. He says we're to be filled with love, peace, patience, kindness, and joy. You've probably heard those before. We've just finished a congregational study on Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. What, what is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. It's when you exhibit love, peace, patience, kindness, and joy. And so what Paul is doing in verses 16, 17, and 18, he's showing us what it looks like, very practically, 
for someone to walk according to the Spirit. It's someone who rejoices always, prays continually, and gives thanks in all circumstances. And so as we think about 2021, this brand new year, what would it be if we all lived according to the Spirit? How would it look if we didn't walk in our own power, but we were walking in the power of God? A lot of times we ask the question, what would it look like for a church to really thrive? What would it mean? And someone says, well, we would need good preaching. Well, that's right, and I think we have good preaching. Someone else says, no, what we need is a, is a vision that's big and bold and everybody can rally around. Yeah, that's important. Other people say, no, what we really need, we need to expand the leadership base. And as a church, we're constantly striving to do that. Really, at all levels, we need to be adding adding leaders. Somebody else says, no, it's about programming, better ministries, ministries that impact the community. All of that is important. And yet understand, if we're not receiving power from above, if we're not being led by God, then really all of that doesn't matter. And so what would it look like if we as a church in 2021 were serious about being not led by ourselves, but we're filled up with God being led by Him. There's another thing I, we need to see before we look at each of these individually. And that's, it's that last phrase in verse 18. It's a little phrase at the very end. It's just, it says, in Christ Jesus. If you're in the Lord, then these attributes will describe who you are. Now, he's not talking to outsiders. He's not talking to people who are far away from God. He's writing to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to men and women who are doing their best to follow Jesus. A lot of times we ask, what does it mean to be a Christian, really? And someone says, well, it means your sins are washed away and you have heaven to look forward to. One day you'll be in the new heaven and new earth. And that's right. But it also means something about today. It also means that we'll live our lives in a certain way. It means we'll be led by the Spirit. And when we're led by the Spirit, our lives will be transformed. It will change how we look at the rest of the world. It will change how we view money and resources. It'll change how we look at relationships, our marriages. It will change how we look at people who are far from God. But there's one other thing I want you to see before we dive into each of these. And that is this. Each of these challenges, on their face, they seem impossible. We're called to rejoice. Well, I can rejoice. That's easy. I mean, I can find things that I'm happy about. Uh, I can find joy in, in life, especially if things are going as I wish for them to go. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says we're to rejoice always. And we think, always, Paul? I mean, there's some times in our lives when things aren't going well. And notice he says, I want you to pray. Well, I can pray, especially when I have some crisis in my life, when I hear the word cancer. Or when something's not going well with my kids. Oh, at that point, I'm going to call everybody I know. I'm going to put a prayer chain together. And I'm going to ask, we need to pray about this. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says we're to pray continually. And then he says we're to give thanks. 
Okay, there are a lot of things I can, I'm thankful about. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul says we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And so I read these phrases and think to myself, who can live like this? And the answer is the person who's filled up with the Spirit of God. The person who's walking with the power of God as evidenced by the Holy Spirit. And so let's talk about each of these three phrases and what it might look like for the coming year. Paul first says, we're to rejoice always. Now that sounds an awful lot to me like what he said earlier in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. There Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. And then and he says, in case you didn't hear it again, rejoice. It's like, it's like he's so emphatic about it, he says it twice, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Now you remember where Paul was when he wrote the letter to the Philippians. Paul was in jail. Things weren't going well for him. And yet Paul says, I want you to have incredible joy. He's saying much the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now we know the church in Thessalonica was a church that was experiencing persecution. And not just any kind of per persecution. They were under severe persecution. We read that in the first few verses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, about verse 6. It wasn't easy for them to follow Jesus. And yet, because they had the Holy Spirit, they had this joy that was given to them. In chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, they were struggling with those who had died, those who had fallen asleep. That's the language Paul uses. And they had all sorts of questions about that. And Paul says to them, though we grieve, our grief is different. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. It's been a difficult couple of weeks at College Hills. We've lost some people that mean so much to us. And one of the things I've noticed about men and women who have a deep faith and, and those who pass away in the Lord, that even though there's pain and even though there's sadness, there's an abiding sense of joy. We, we grieve in a different way. When Paul says, rejoice always in this text, this is not the same thing as commanding happiness. He is not saying, I want you to be happy all the time. Because you see, happiness is dependent on happenings. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. But, but joy is different. Joy is deeper. Joy abides in our lives. We can be joyous because our basis for our joy is Jesus. Because I'm in Jesus, I'm able to distinguish between appearances and reality. I know how things really are. And so when I experience loss, I can have joy because I know that the person who's passed away, I'm going to see that person again because we're in Jesus. I know that the relationship will live on because that person died in the Lord. Because... I'm a follower of Jesus. I realize I'm forgiven. There are things in the past that we've all done or said that we feel sorry about. But understand, because of Jesus, all that is forgiven. I heard a preacher just recently talk about how we're all crucified between two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow. Isn't that good? 
were crucified between two thieves because yesterday sometimes robs us of the joy we have now. But in Jesus, we don't have to worry about what happened in the past. We don't have to worry about the future because we know in Christ that's, that's secure. The other thing about the Thessalonians is that they had incredible joy because of the deep relationship they had with each other. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, Paul asked that question, what is it, why are we joyful? Notice what he says. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You know your deepest joy comes because of relationships. But in the Lord, those relationships are even deeper. We find even more joy. And so if we're walking in the Spirit, and and this affects our lives individually, but also us as a church, then understand our lives and our congregation will be marked by joy. But next, Paul says, I want you to pray continually. Now, when it comes to prayer, there are two pitfalls that we need to watch and guard. Uh, and guard. One is guilt. And I realize as a preacher, I can make you feel very guilty very, very easily because who of us thinks we pray enough or our prayer life is, is deep enough? And so all too often we have a sense of failure or maybe even despair regarding our prayer lives. And that's not what God desires for us. But the other pitfall regarding our prayer life is self-righteousness. On the other hand, there are people who feel really good about their prayer lives. I mean, they're disciplined, they know all the right words, they put together just you know, the right prayer lists, and, and they're able to go through that prayer lists. But I want you to know that nobody prayed more than the Pharisees. And so those are two pitfalls that we often struggle with, uh, with guilt or with self-righteousness. But I want our prayer life to grow out of a sense of joy. Notice the progression in Paul's thought. Be joyful always. And then he says, pray continually. Think of it like this. When we're led by the Spirit, we'll want to pray. Notice how we're to pray. Paul says we're to pray continually. And we wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean we we give up our lives and go into full-time praying. It doesn't mean that every moment of every single day we should be saying prayers. That's not possible. But he is saying that we should pursue a warm and loving and open relationship with the Lord. We should have a sense of His presence Every moment. I think an analogy would help us. Uh, Think of your marriage. What does healthy communication look like in a good marriage? It does mean sometimes sitting down and having long conversations. I mean, I I love those moments when Jana and I will go out for dinner and we'll have this wonderful dinner together and it just seems like the time flies because we're in such deep conversation. But you know as well as I that that's not the only way we communicate in our marriages. Sometimes you communicate, and how you communicate 
is much more subtle. Sometimes we can communicate with just a glance or look. I've been married long enough to Janet to know that glance and that look. I've been in social situations before, and I will be regaling people and talking, and Janet will give me that look, you know, just kind of a little nod of her head, just kind of a look that says, Kevin, you're talking too much. Maybe you should be quiet and listen to others as they talk. Or maybe we communicate, maybe we communicate in much more subtle ways. Prayer, understand, is what nurtures our relationship with God. And when you love another person, there's this unceasing awareness of the other. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. When we pray continually, he's not saying we're saying words continually to God. It means that in part, but it also means there's a warm and open relationship and, and sometimes it's just this awareness of knowing that you're in the presence of God. And so I want our prayer lives to grow out of this joy that we have being in relationship with the Father. And so what do our prayer lives look like? What does it mean to pray continually? Oh, it sometimes means that we're still in the presence of God and we're speaking to God and, and we're pouring out things that are on our hearts. I find the morning time works best for me as I read scripture, as I think about God's word, and then as I, I speak to God about all the things in my heart. But sometimes it means you're, you're just being silent before the Lord as you're driving down the road. Sometimes it might mean you're talking to God when you're jogging. Sometimes it might mean you're, you're speaking to God uh, when you're in the, in the grocery store, not speaking audibly, but, but you're looking around it and seeing all sorts of people. And maybe you're aware of all the needs in the world in that moment. You want to speak to God in your spirit about those sorts of things. It could involve journaling. It could involve many things. But what I want you to really see is don't let prayer be a guilt thing. Don't let prayer grow out of guilt. You let prayer grow out of this joy that you have in your heart. If we're walking in the Spirit, there will be a deep sense of joy in our lives. We'll pray continually. And then finally, there's a, a third challenge. And again, for us individually, but also as a congregation that really grows out of the first two. He says we're to give thanks in all circumstances. Joy and prayer flow in this constant stream of gratitude. Now there's a subtle distinction that I want you to see in this verse that I think is important. Notice Paul does not say we're to give thanks for all things, for all circumstances. There are some things that happen in life that are hard, perhaps that grow out of sin. Sometimes things happen to us because of some other person's selfishness. And I don't think Paul's talking about that. Paul here instead says we're to be thankful in all things. We can be thankful in all things because we know that, that whatever happens, God can work in it to redeem it. And that's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus. We have such hope because we believe God is engaged in our world and in our life. Kind of reminds me of the story of Joseph. You may be familiar with it. It comes at the end of the book of Genesis. Really, the last part of the book of Genesis is about the story of Joseph. 
And you know how Joseph's brothers um, were jealous of him. He had a very close relationship with his father. And so they sold Joseph to some Ishmaelite traders. And there was nothing good about what Joseph's brothers did to him. And then later on, there was nothing good about what Potiphar's wife did to Joseph. How, she, how he experienced injustice at her hands. But at the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph is looking back at all that transpired and all that happened in his life, and there's been this wonderful reunion with his brothers. And now as he speaks to his brothers in Genesis 50 and verse 20, he says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph would look back on his life and, and say, you know, what happened wasn't good, but, but God worked in it, and God redeemed it so that many people's lives were saved. It sounds very much like Paul to me in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I especially like, especially like this translation of the verse. In everything, God is at work for good. We must never forget that God is constantly working in and through and often in spite of things to accomplish His good will. I'm confident that God is always present and that God is working in His whatever we're experiencing to, to bring about something good. I look at the whole COVID-19 experience and I know God is working in this. Maybe he's working in this to bring revival to our church or maybe even to your personal life. Maybe he's working in this moment to bring us together and bring revival in our country. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm confident that God, God has his hands in, involved in what we're, we're experiencing right now. God is going to work in it and through it. I love that passage of Scripture. You hear me quote it all the time, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And then he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul says, we're not to worry about things, but we're to pray about everything. And we're to pray a certain way. We're to pray with thanksgiving. Now often I want to pray with thanksgiving in this way. I want to pray about something and then when I see how God works everything out just as I wish for them to work out, then I can be thankful. Thank you God for working out everything just like I wanted it to. But that's not what Paul is teaching us. Paul says we bring everything before God with prayers and petitions with thanksgiving. We're thankful even before we know how things are going to work out. Well, how can we be thankful before? It's because how we view God. We know God is a loving God. We know God is sovereign. God is working in things. God's going to redeem things. And so we can be thankful even now. We can be thankful even before we know how things will work out. Often as we approach a new year, we make all sorts of resolutions and we make all sorts of commitments. Maybe we ask big questions. We're wondering, so what is the will of God for me? 
Well, in this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us what the will of God is. Notice Paul says we're to rejoice always, we're to pray continually, we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. And so as we begin this New Year's, we stand on the cusp of 2021. I'm looking forward to this new year. I know God's going to do great things. As we look, begin, uh, look into this new year, these are three challenges. Let's be people who have this sense of joy. Let's be people who are praying continually. And let's be people who are giving thanks to God in all circumstances. That's what it means to live for the Lord and walk according to His will, being led by the Spirit. And we know but this is God's will for us. I hope you have a great rest of the week. God bless you.